Today's Your Stories is sponsored by Busy Beaver Button Company. In lieu of an ad, they asked us to play this song. One, two, three, four. Buttons! Buttons! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, Comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everyone, I'm Eric Arnaud, and this is part two of a three-part episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast, featuring the theme Across America, a theme chosen by co-host, musician, frequent storyteller, and friend Claire Friedman to mark her farewell show. This week, four lovely storytellers share their thoughts, including Nerdalogs Emeriti, Steve Persh and Andrew Bentley, current nerd Mary Beth Smith, and longtime friend Maura Foley. You'll also get music from Claire, Dwight Hessler, and myself. Um, this was a pretty emotionally draining night. Um, you'll really catch a lot of that in the final part. Um, but our next live show is going to be the opposite. It's going to be a party. Uh, so don't forget, our fifth anniversary show takes place at The Hideout on Saturday, December 17th at 7 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at The Hideout's website, and it should be a pretty incredible time uh, for one. We have a full rock and roll band for the first time ever and we've got a bunch of our favorite storytellers from the past five years of podcasts coming live, like Matt Young, Mike Gifford, Larissa Zagaris, and many more. Catch details on our Facebook page and website, and don't forget to get your tickets soon. Thanks again to our sponsor for this week's episode, Busy Beaver Button Company, and thanks, of course, to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for making that sponsorship happen. That's just another way Claire's helped make this podcast succeed in the past few years. Uh, but that's enough of that. Let's get to the stories. This is a song about the word across more than the word America. <laughs> Though it is, it is performed with an American accent. <laughs> because the people in the band <laughs> are American. Solid. Solid introduction. <laughs> I mean, it's better than anyone I've ever gave, so... <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think you're a much better host than me. All right.
right, y'all. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Turning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle break. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. The paralysis potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. I don't know how to host. <laughs> I had no idea how to end intermission. Anyway, um, next up, uh, I would say is is one of the very most important people to my whole uh, uh, time in Chicago. Not less so. Well, we dated. Who cares? Uh, but uh, <laughs> there are a couple things that are much more important than that. First off, his mother is, of course, the best friend of my boyfriend. Oh, my God. <laughs> so true. He's often said, uh, man, if Susie Persh were just a few decades younger, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be done. And I'm like, I get it. Um, uh, and, uh, that, but... That is not... That was like a... I, I would... I would want a legitimate relationship. But it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> we all want that. Susie and I got it. Just go on. <laughs> Best friend. Uh, but more more importantly, um, uh, he's uh, been been 
you know, since I came here, one of my very closest friends and someone that I can always, always know that I can count on and reach out to. Um, please welcome Steve Persh. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's been a while since I've, I've been at your stories. When, when Claire uh, texted me to tell me uh, about this, I, I asked, uh, do people still do bits at, at your stories? Like, what, when I lived in Chicago, I, I did a whole lot of bits here, uh, did some songs, and, and she said that she, she wanted a, a story. So it is a story, Claire. I know it's looking like a bit. <laughs> I know it's looking like a bit, but I swear... This looks like a bit, but it's not a bit. Uh, I swear this is not a bit. Uh, I, and, and yes, Claire and I did date. I wrote an alternate story about our relationship, but that's not what's going on here. Today I'm just here to say I'm Steve Persh. I'm an emeritus member of the Nerdalogs, and as you can tell from uh, all the lanyards hanging around my neck, I'm a frequent attendee of web development conferences. Yes. I apologize to the people listening on the podcast who can't see the uh, literally uh, 14 lanyards hanging around my neck. These are just the conferences I've been to uh, in the past year. And, uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's for real. Uh, so, uh, yeah, in the last year, I, I changed jobs, and those, those conferences have taken me across America. Uh, yeah, to, to, to hit on the theme. Uh, and at these web development conferences, people make all kinds of small talk. They talk about, where do you work? Where are you from? How did you get into web development? And uh, for me, my answer to that question of how did you get into web development is a little bit unique in the community. I say, well, I was a theater major in college, and that always gets a surprise. And I started by making websites for theater companies, and then I just kept going from there. And sometimes the, the small talk uh, proceeds. We, we'd move on to a different topic. Sometimes people keep asking me, well, do you, do you still perform? And I'll say, well, I, I did a lot of improv and sketch comedy when I lived in Chicago. I don't do that so much now. And they, they say, oh, interesting. Well, what, what happened? And one of the ways I'll explain my experience of, of the improv community in Chicago is that I'll say that I basically had the opposite arc of a lot of my Chicago <laughs> improv friends. A lot of people I know in the Chicago improv community moved to Chicago after college intending to get a serious job. They saw a show at, at Second City or, or Improv Olympic and they thought, that looks amazing. I, I now need to start taking improv classes and start doing this as much as possible. I came out of college uh, having done improv for about seven years at that point. I, I was starting to to lose the joy of improv, but I still thought this is this is what I intended to do. I'm coming out of college as a theater major, moving into the city, going to take classes, and at the same time, I started making websites, and and that started to be more enjoyable. Uh, and and I've told that story a lot over the years. I I know I told that story uh, at. At DrupalCon Chicago in uh, in 2011, uh, and w when I told that story, I, I put on yet another lanyard. And when I told that story in 2011, it was definitely true. It was just it was just the plain truth. In March of 2011, uh, OGM One Group Mind, the improv group that I had been a part of for years, had had collapsed again for the umpteenth time, uh, and and was. Was, was soon to reform, was soon to reform, but I didn't know that at the time. I, I had just switched jobs. Uh, I was working for the company owned by the 
uh, the people who co-chaired DrupalCon Chicago. So I was, I was thinking I'm getting much more serious about this uh, web development thing that I'm doing. And, uh, and that was a, a handy story to tell. And it was a story that I was telling both the people that I was talking to, but it was also a, t a story that I was telling myself. Uh, telling myself a story about the level of seriousness that I was uh, bringing to, to web development. I, I felt like I needed to, to overcompensate a little bit because a lot of the people at these conferences had been programming for much longer than, than I had. Uh, I could say, yeah, I, I used to do uh, short form improv, uh, but now I, I'm, I'm turning down those gigs in order to do more web development. Uh, and and that's, it, it is true. It is true. That's what I was doing. I was thinking, why, why would I take five hours out of my day to go do a, a show at a bar mitzvah in Naperville when I, when I am in, sitting here in, in Andersonville programming a website and enjoying that more? Uh, but... Uh, that reality did start to shift, but I, I kept telling the story. I, I know by uh, by the time of what what do we have here? The Midwest Drupal Summit in the summer of yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, in the summer of of 2013, I'm sure I was still telling that same story. I was I was telling that at at Bad Camp a few months later at uh, October of 2013. But at that same time, I was. Uh, in the nerdalogs, I, I had re-upped a whole bunch of improv commitments, and and it wasn't that I was trading one for the other. I just had had both coming out more and more. Uh, the uh, the nerdalogs were doing the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival. We were doing the Chicago Nerd Comedy Festival. Uh, but the story that I was telling still was just convenient uh, to to tell it in this uh, simplistic form that I was trading one for the other. But certainly by the time of of mid-camp 2014, I realized I do need to at least tell myself a more detailed story. It's it's one thing for me to to over drinks at, at a networking event, uh, tell tell a short story about my experience in the Chicago improv community, but I should tell myself a more complex story, especially as as the story continues to evolve. Uh, I moved away from Chicago uh, about two years ago, going off to uh, literally the the week I went to DrupalCon Austin, I packed up all my stuff in Chicago, got on a plane, and when I flew back, my stuff was was in Milwaukee, and I was living uh, a different life uh, up in Milwaukee. And uh, about a year later, at DrupalCon uh, Los Angeles, I, I came back and was planning a wedding. And uh, at Twin Cities Drupal Camp 2015, starting to figure out a, a new job situation. So... Uh, the, these stories do do take on a little bit of a weight, and uh, and again, uh, I, I'm happy to, to tell these stories, but I, I do need to uh, to tell myself a more nuanced story. Thank you. Yeah. I was just packing up, and I have like all my all my convention uh, lanyards, both from Nerdalogs and from work. And I was like, I I want to throw these all out, and I can't. They're just I I'll have them forever. Um, I never thought about it, but yeah, you tre you treated DrupalCon, which by the way has the dumbest name. <laughs> um, 
with much more seriousness than the people who I'm sure were very good programmers in 2011, the first year you went, uh, who got married there in their pajamas. They got married at DrupalCon because that's where their love was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So true. Um, I left my phone. It's charging. I thought so. And thank you for knowing exactly what I needed. <laughs> Eric Gardo! <laughs> thank you, Eric. Next up on the stage. Um, this is somebody, uh, I, I think I, I met you through your stories too, right? Uh, no, actually. No, I met you through Sketchfest. <laughs> other, other guys, web series release party in a random theater in Wicker Park. Steel trap, steel trap, steel trap that's like a little rusted and like you can get out of. Um, one, of, one, of the, one of the kindest people, one of the longest friends, one of the most fun person to have a conversation with and, and absolutely one of the best writers and storytellers I ever got the opportunity to work with in Chicago. Um, I'm so delighted to bring up Andrew Bentley! <laughs> So many hugs. Yep. <laughs> Hello, I'm Andrew Bentley. Uh, now, I don't want to get too esoteric this month, uh, but some of you may be aware that there was recently an election. Uh, you may have missed it because it occurred primarily in five states uh, you would otherwise have no reason to think about. Uh, Pennsylvania, home of the second highest NRA membership, second signer of the Constitution, and my grandfather's second marriage to his first cousin. Uh, Florida, where the state bird is the taxidermied gator chicken grotesque discovered in a serial killer's mobile home. Wisconsin, hereafter to be known as the traitor state. North Carolina, whose two main state exports are airborne hog feces and Marine Corps rapists. And Ohio, home of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, all of these states uh, all of these states went red on November 7th uh, resulting in a Republican victory and perhaps mercifully bringing an end at last to the Lars von Trier movie which has been the last quarter century of Hillary Clinton's life uh, unfortunately this also resulted uh, in the election to the highest office in the country of improvisational arsonist and all-around fatuous rectum Donald Trump. <laughs> now, my, my own home state, Virginia, went blue in the election, as this is the, the third election in a row where the Commonwealth has voted uh, more in line with New England than the erstwhile Confederacy. Uh, I'm sorry to say I may now have lost my designation as a Southerner, and with it, the last vestiges of a personality. Uh, <laughs> But in the, the 12 days since the election, uh, Trump has exhibited the policies of the 1920s, the subtlety and restraint of a Captain Planet villain, and a level of interest in the actual duties of the presidency reminiscent of the time when I was nine and I guilted my nana into a two-player game of Avalon Hill's Cosmic Encounter. 
Between his business dealings, appointees, and general display of incompetent belligerence, uh, the only way he could throw up more red flags would be if he had personally eaten the Kremlin. (laughs) Now, all of this is background to the subject I actually mean to address, uh, the impending economic depression. Uh, All of us are likely to take a hit, and if you've recently incurred any additional financial hardships, like, say, uh, quitting your job and moving to the most expensive city in the country with your actor boyfriend, uh, it it may be pertinent uh, to learn some survival tips for crippling poverty. Um, Now... My, my audience here are <laughs> my, my audience here are not the, the actual systemic poor kept in a, a state of disadvantage by the slow grinding organs of capitalism, but rather like me, the new poor, the soon to be rife bougie poor, uh, where you still go to live theater and listen to podcasts and use plastic bags as bags and nothing else. Uh, where your parents own their house and you still secretly kind of think of your poverty as fodder for a gritty-as-fuck chapter in your eventual triumphant memoirs, uh, even if that chapter is starting to get a lot um, a, a lot longer than you, you thought it would be. Uh, maybe, there, maybe there's like a, it's a two volumes to biographies, like, like Roald Dahl's, except instead of getting caned and fighting in World War II, you double major in acting and sociology and bum PBRs off your friends with business degrees. Uh, for you, from my own experience, here are, are some of the things you can expect. Firstly, if you're an introvert, good news. Uh, you don't have to see anyone anymore. Uh, most social gatherings involve food and activities, and generally speaking, those things cost money. You now have a free excuse not to see anyone ever again. Uh, if people insist on inviting you places anyway, make them pay for you, or they'll never learn their lesson. Uh, if they try and trick you by planning free activities like board games or heart-to-heart conversations, complain loudly about you how you had to walk there because you couldn't afford to take the bus. Uh, before you know it, you'll be free to devote your time solely to the things that matter, like replaying old computer games from your childhood, meticulously cataloging increasingly depraved pornography, and staring into the middle distance for long, silent hours while you think about every bad decision you've ever made. Uh, If you're an extrovert, you're also in luck. Uh, Society finds that to be a marketable skill. Uh, There are entire fields built around being a people person, such as phone banking, drug dealing, and performing an increasingly depraved pornography for the introverts to catalog. Uh, Second tip... Become one with nature. Uh, As my own standards of health, hygiene, and discourse slowly decline, I also enjoy an increasing kinship with the fauna around me. For instance, I used to kill spiders and house centipedes, which I discovered on my ceiling. Now I take a bizarre interest in their inscrutable hierarchy, picking favorites and cheering them on like my own personal reality TV show. Uh, Some live on victoriously in the corners of my study, while others are ultimately bested and must leave the house, like Big Brother if the contestants ate each other, or if they found Ryan Seacrest's calcified little body curled up behind the toilet. Uh, my, My third and final tip, enjoy the show. Chances are you won't be the last to drop below the poverty line. As the tide of economic depression creeps towards high ground, much like the actual tides four years into a Trump presidency, you can lord your experience over the last in the water. Treat it like a a cool new brunch place or bar you've discovered and and show them how to trick the CTA censors into giving you a free ride. Uh, when someone comes to you in tears and, and tells you they've lost everything, uh, act like you just saw they just saw the first season of Game of Thrones and, and roll your eyes like two tumbleweeds drifting down the decrepit highways of our once proud cities. 
Tell them that you, you haven't seen, they haven't seen anything yet, and to talk to you after they've started making toilet paper out of their old graphic design portfolio. <laughs> Make sure they feel like real ignorant assholes. <laughs> the most important thing is that they know your suffering is even realer and more important than theirs. <laughs> if you can manage that, it doesn't matter what kind of monstrous homunculi are jerking the levers of federal power like penny slots at the Bellagio. America is still great. Thank you. I also I want to take a moment for the oh, the customary I, no, now I'm here. Claire comments. I'll I'll be brief. Okay. Um, I just want to say, as you pointed out, we met at the uh, the other other guys' uh, web party in 2010, the first year I moved here. Mm -hmm. uh, you were one of the certainly of the people who are still around in Chicago. One of the the very first people I ever met in the city. Uh, and I want to say I know I don't always make it easy to be my friend uh, or to, you know, to care for me. Um, so I just want to thank you for everything. So much friendship here. That was really sad, but then it was nice, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how I feel right now. Anyway, um, the next speaker is another person I've known for a very long time, though I didn't know her as well as I wanted to. And then uh, she became a member of the Nerdalogs, and she is so positive and sweet and fun, and I'm, I'm so lucky that I got to spend so much time on stage with her um, and got to have her as a friend in my life. Uh, Mary Bessemer! <laughs> Claire's the best. I just felt like I'd start with something we could all agree on. <laughs> um, sometime in middle school, uh, for an uh, uh, extracurricular type class, an, an elective, a uh, gifted and talented class, we had to make a uh, music video. Is what it, how it was pitched to us um, on an overhead projector. Um, uh, which, like, if you're listening to this from the future, um, they were, like, things that we had to, uh, draw on transparencies on, and then through a series of, like, bulbs and mirrors, we, we projected it onto a wall, uh, pre-computers. Um, I put that in there because eventually no one's gonna know or care what those are. Uh, <laughs> um, but we had to draw, like, X number of, um, pictures, uh, that were, like, scenes from, uh, whatever song we we wanted to make a music music video for uh, on transparencies with markers uh, because we could choose whatever song we wanted. I was arrested by choice. <laughs> uh, thus, my mom, being uh, the gem that she is, suggested for some reason or another, um, "God Bless the USA" by Lee Greenwood. Uh, uh, also known as "Proud to Be an American." Um, uh, so, uh, as I said, I was. Arrested by choice, and she had given me this gift of an answer. Uh, so I took it. Um, basically, I drew a map of the U.S. 
uh, one time and then I like stacked uh, another transparency on top of it to like trace it each time I needed to draw the US again because like that second verse you know you got to draw it uh, going from uh, was it uh, the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas from sea to shining sea Detroit Houston New York LA uh, you got to draw all of that out on like separate maps and uh, we had to I put one up on the transparency and then the song would play and I would change out the transparency for the next uh, line in the song. It was very uh, 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 stupid endeavor. Um, the, but one of the biggest, uh, uh, troublesome parts of it was that, like, how do you draw God blessing the USA? Because, like, uh, even though <laughs> I was a, uh, 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 South Carolinian, um, and, uh, I, I truly was, like, on board, uh, with the fact that he was around, I still was like, I don't know if we want to put him in a box, you know? Like, <laughs> may, like maybe we're, we're still feeling loosey-goosey about, uh, uh, what he exists as, but, so what I did was, uh, uh, on one of those maps of the USA that I drew, I uh, I had some God hands coming in from the corner, like the popular spot for kids to draw the sun, um, but they were God hands. And, uh, and from each hand, I just drew the words, blessings. Like, <laughs> that's true. That's real. I remember it so specifically. Uh, and, and that was like, that was like the kicker. That was like the fucking title card, um, uh, for my music video. And, uh, and it went fine. I got an A on the project because like it was public school and did you hear what the assignment was? Uh, uh, the only, uh, I, until I was biking here, the only other one I could remember, um, uh, was, uh, my friend Morgan Overcash, she did a bunch of pictures, uh, to represent Will Smith's very popular hit, Miami. Uh, <laughs> I remember she drew, like, Will and a bunch of his, uh, friends, entourage or whatever, in a car, and that was, like, her title card, so, like, whenever it was, like, Bienvenido a Miami, uh, she would put that card up, and she would, like, kind of shake it around, like the, like the car was shaking, and I was like, damn, I didn't know we could, like, animate these things. Uh, <laughs> um, at the time, I had no idea what I was doing, like how weird and limiting the patriotism described in that song is. Uh, uh, I, I saw no uh, issues with it. Um, I, I did also unironically own a t-shirt that was like um, the airbrush uh, uh, silhouette of um, when the um, <laughs> everyone's already laughing and they don't know what it is yet. <laughs> it was like when the firefighters put the flag oh. at ground zero oh. and uh, along the bottom it just said and our flag was still there. Uh, <laughs> and the only thing Tom is laughing because he's from Georgia and he like knows this shit like oh man. Andrew joked earlier that like he lost his southernness and he lost his personality. I relate to that so hard. <laughs> Uh, because, uh, cut to, um, <laughs> like six years ago, I moved across America, um, but like, uh, hot dog ways, not hamburger ways, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I moved, uh, 
I moved with two other uh, Southerners uh, without too much to show for ourselves. Uh, none of the three of us knew anyone here. Um, but uh, through a friend of a friend of a coworker of my roommate's, I met a guy who knew people who were in Wonger Mind, um, which is a, 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 a thriving improv metropolis here in Chicago. Uh, and uh, I got cast on my first improv team in Chicago with that organization uh, with a group of, at the time there were 10 of us, we were from literally all over the country. Like, sure, there was one guy uh, from Illinois, uh, but we had someone from Boston, Buffalo, Cleveland, Florida. Florida, Georgia, LA, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis. Uh, and uh, um, uh, uh, after three years, um, and uh, a couple of our members decided to uh, move out of town at the same time as uh, that organization had another, um, if that was the umpteenth, this was like the umpteenth. Teeny um, uh, time that that happened, uh, we decided to uh, retire and call it quits after three years of, of uh, great shows and friendship, um, and uh, uh, and we realized that uh, we could still be friends and, and not feel beholden to uh, that organization anymore, and that was cool. Uh, but through them and that organization, uh, that's why I'm here. Like that's how I met uh, these people. That's how I met Joe and Jando. That's how I met Chris and Kevin. That's how I met Claire and Steve. Um, and and uh, through meeting all these uh, incredibly wonderful, impassioned people, uh, all of whom, like me, do share some kind of uh, luxury in the lives that we led up to here to be able to do this, to uh, move to the city, uh, to tell one another uh, stories, um, to become a, a part of that uh, new port for most of us. Uh, and uh, for the past two weekends... Um, after uh, feeling, you know, devastated, humiliated, uh, the opposite of proud to be an American, uh, feeling lazy and uh, uninspired and sad, uh, uh, to put it lightly, I, I got to spend uh, a, a vast majority of the past two weekends uh, with both of those uh, groups of people that I've met here in Chicago that have meant so, so, so much to me that, that accumulated from all over the country to be here to uh, talk to each other and, and, and share jokes and songs and thoughts and fears and food. Uh, last weekend, we sat in a basement and uh, uh, sang until we were hoarse uh, to Weezer songs. Can you imagine how cool it would have been if I had made my music video to a Weezer song? Like, God, it would have been so much cooler in middle school. Uh, and, we, and we played games. And, and uh, uh, last night, we um, tried to uh, make sure everyone knew who, uh, out of the like main actors who play the Avengers, which one we would prefer to suck the dick of the most. Um, so, like, it's just, like, really important shit that uh, these people gather in rooms and talk about. And, uh, uh, I, and I am just could not be more happy to be proud of this America that we are a part of. And uh, I'm so glad to be able uh, to have um, not just the next four years, but the rest of our lives to... Um, come together and uh, talk to one another and uh, and maybe, just maybe, um, change people outside of this America or at least understand them better uh, because I've been able to do that as a result of having friends here. Um, I've been able to like have political conversations with my dad where he goes like, man, I never thought about it like that. And he is 60 years old, um, but he loves me so much and he trusts my opinions and my thoughts and the people that I'm around. 
and the um, conversations and uh, things that we can create together uh, uh, in a way that uh, he listens. Uh, so I, um, that's another thing that, that I've talked about with people uh, over this weekend and last weekend is like ways that we can take this and uh, make it bigger. Uh, so um, I think that's all I've got. And uh, just keep letting those, you know, those <laughs> blessings shoot out of God's pretty little fingers. <laughs> Yeah, I as Mary Beth was talking about people she knows from OGM, I realized that in one way or another, the next speaker might be the only person in the room. No, one of two people in the room. Um, yeah, Tom will be the other one because he's from my hometown. But uh, uh, the next speaker might be like one of the only people in the room that I don't know because of OGM, um, which is silly because it's, uh, yeah, it's a garbage organization. <laughs> it's got, it's got really good people and potential except for one person. <laughs> and that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Um, Anyway, I don't care. I believe you guys. I was about to not say that, and I was like, whatever. Uh, it's a listen to podcast. What? Why did it not post? Anyway, I don't care. Uh, I like don't know. Maybe you don't. Okay. The next speaker is best. One of my greatest, greatest friends. I lived with her for a long time. I performed with her starting my freshman year of college. She is so smart and funny and powerful and bossy and i love it i love it she's the greatest ladies and gentlemen miss maura foley let's be fair i'm still in ogm so i'm not smart um <laughs> okay um so like just FYI, i might cry because like real talk have been pretty tender the past two weeks uh a lot of emergency therapy. Um, and also, I just, like, cry when I think about people leaving. Like, Claire knows this, but, like, the first three months after we found out that our friend Tony is moving to Louisville, Kentucky, I just, like, cried every time somebody brought it up. So let's power through this together. Okay, I also want to point out that this kind of feels like Claire's dying. <laughs> so, like, I'll try to you Google as you will. Okay, cool. So I'm going to do, do this. Or maybe I'm not. Okay, no, I'm not. Cool. Okay, so Claire is embarking on a little road trip. I'm just going to hold this. Um, which is where this theme comes from, I'm assuming. Um, moving is really hard and secretly really tedious and boring. Um, I've made multiple cross-country moves in my lifetime, weirdly all before I turned 18. Um, I can attest that one thing about moving is that the driving helps. Um, like any good Midwesterner, I love talking about the long drives that I make. Um, I have an inordinate amount of pride from the fact that my base competency level before getting bored is five hours. And if I have music, which in my car I don't, um, <laughs> that goes up to eight. Um, I once did DC to Madison, uh, only stopping for gas and food. Um, it takes 14 hours and it was the most zen I've ever fucking felt in my life. Like, it centers you. 
<laughs> um, so I find gener- driving in general to be cathartic, like uh, when you're not in a city. Um, it's especially good to drive when you're having really intense feelings. Um, you know, feelings that you might have, for example, when you're moving out of the Midwest, the greatest region in the United States, to a big scary skitty city where they put garbage on the sidewalk. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, cherish the drive to New York, Claire, because everything on the East Coast is weirdly close together. Uh, people from the East Coast don't understand how weird it is that Philly to New York is like two hours, like not even. Um, and like, so Minneapolis is four hours from Madison and seven hours from Chicago, and I'm like, that's close. Um, <laughs> a common thing to overhear in the Midwest, which like I've had this conversation multiple times, is, oh, how long was the drive there, bud? Oh, a quick seven hours. Ah, not bad. <laughs> I just did back and forth to Minneapolis in one weekend with no help because my boyfriend can't drive stick. And we like got home and I was like, man, I could have done that for another four. Um, so my family moved from Minnesota to Kansas when I was five and we flew there first just to visit. Um, and it was unnatural not to drive, to get on an airplane and to go so quickly from one place to another place, knowing that one day we wouldn't come back. Um, it was a calm 75 in St. Paul. It was 105 with a heat index of 110 in Kansas City. My thighs stuck to our realtor's leather seats, and I cried and cried and cried. I did not cry when, the fi- when we finally drove down during the winter break for real, like we weren't coming back. And that's because once you're on the road, the choice has been made. You know, um, we were in road trip mode. Um, of course, we were like in our feelings, but we were on an adventure. My dad used to do this little game where, when we were driving long distances during the winter where he'd heat the car up as quickly as possible. And when we hit that last red light before hit, getting on the expressway, we'd have a contest to see who could get their jacket and their snow pants off the first. Um, and so, like, that kind of stuff, you know, when you're six, it's like, cool, let's do this. Um, when we moved to Philadelphia, the drive through West Virginia and Western Pennsylvania were some of the most beautiful days of my childhood. And again, moving from Madison, uh, moving from Philadelphia to Madison, uh, my sister and I listened to music on the drive through Western Pennsylvania and cried, but it was cathartic and in a weird way, really exciting. Even now, I can't listen to the Selena song, I Could Fall in Love, without picturing my best friend, Asya, standing outside my house crying as we pack the car. When you move a lot, um, especially far away from family, the drives you do to go back and forth become a ritual. And it's like a nice, comforting ease into being away to being home. My earliest vivid memories come from the drive back and forth from Kansas to Milwaukee to see my grandparents. There's a little red apple diner uh, far, far off the expressway somewhere in Iowa. My dad used to make us go every leg of the journey to eat chicken fried steak. Um, I remember stopping there when we drove up for my grandmother's funeral. We had my three-year-old cousin with us, and we stopped at that diner. And I remember how calm she was once we hit the expressway, because we're all crying. And then you hit the expressway, and everybody just calmed down. Um... We were so sad, but we were still calm. We sat at that diner and we ate hot sandwiches and we drank apple juice and we laughed and we enjoyed each other's company because we were on the road and we were together. I remember driving back to Kansas after that funeral with my mom and we were in a rented uh, U-Haul van full of furniture that had to be taken away from my grandparents' house because my grandfather had to move. Um, you know, out of this house, the house she grew up in, where she had her first kiss, um, where she'd watched her mother die, and she'd just cleaned it out days after the funeral. And the only CD that we had in the rental van was the fucking Titanic soundtrack. Because <laughs> that movie had just come out, and we bought it at a truck stop, and pulling onto the expressway in Milwaukee to head south, my 
my heart will go on, came on, <laughs> and my mom burst into tears. And I was like, this is really scary, but it's going to be okay because we're on the road. So moving is really fucking scary. Um, everything's going to be different. Where you get your dinner is different. The grocery store is different. Your commute is different. The people you see every day are different. But it's almost comforting because things aren't really different because the world has changed. Things are different because you just moved within the world. And then after I write that, I realize, well, I guess it is both things because the world does change as you drive. And it changes, and time keeps moving forward as you settle into your new life. And before you know it, Claire, you're going to be a New Yorker. <laughs> um, and the story will seem very far away, like when you're driving south on the skyline and the city of Chicago just fades into the distance. I leave you with this, Claire. <laughs> this is what I know it's going to lose it. Okay. One year at that dinner, that diner in, in Iowa, we had a pregnant waitress. And my dad is a social worker. He's basically Deanna Troy on Next Generation, except he doesn't look nearly as good in that purple suit. Like, yes, bitch. Um, uh, yeah, so he's basically an empath, and he was asking her all about her life and the plans for the baby. Um, and then the next summer, of course, we stopped at that same diner, and we had the same waitress. And, of course, my dad recognized her and asked her about the baby and how did the move go and how, how did the transition to your husband's new job. And she was so wonderful to us, and it was a nice little dose of happiness, and it was really great to hear that, like, her kid was doing great. Um, and she was so tickled that we had remembered her. So while you're gone, Claire, we may change. You're definitely going to change because you're going to put your garbage on the street, and that's gross. Um, <laughs> but we'll still be here. We just might be a little different. Uh, so enjoy the drive. I will miss you. More drivers too. Yeah. My uh, uh, I love Mara so much. My my dad used to. Uh, we're, I'm from Minneapolis. My dad used to schedule like two o'clock meetings in Chicago. Get up early, drive to Chicago, have an hour long meeting, and drive home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dennis. yeah. That that crazy, wonderful dude. Um, it's my dad. Uh, anyway. Uh, this next song, sung by a by an artist I uh, I like a whole lot, um, whose lyrics I have printed, uh, and I found them. Don't worry, guys. Um, and an artist I like a lot. My friend actually, the, I think the first time I really listened to this song is a friend of mine did a, did it as a solo at a show, and I was just like, that song freaking rocks. And then I was like, it's from the seventies. Whoa, that's as alternative as I can get in high school. <laughs> it's a very good song, though. Yeah. It's a... Yeah, it's a good one. Cool. I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky
fun song. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like Your Stories, you might also enjoy Campaign. In the Campaign podcast, a small group of Chicago improvisers play through an ongoing role-playing game set in the Star Wars universe. It's hosted by Cat Cool. For more on Campaign, visit www.oneshotpodcast.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.